Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Welcome back to the EPL Roundtable podcast. I'm your host today, Jake Jackman, starting in for Kev. You can get us at the show at EPL Roundtable on Twitter or email us at EPLRoundtable at gmail.com. Hi, everyone. I'm Jamie Smith, here to talk about Burnley. I write and edit the non and have a uh, newsletter which goes out via Substack every Monday. Hi there, I'm Jay Crane. I'm editor and founder of the Eagles Beaker Palace fan site by fans for fans. I'm also host and producer of the Meridian Sports Show, a local community sports show that airs every Tuesday. You can get us on the Eagles Beak across all socials and the Meridian SS across all socials as well. Cheers for joining me today, guys. Uh, we'll start off with the big story in the Premier League. That was uh, the, the tea time kickoff today, Manchester City hosted Liverpool in what Many people are calling the final of the Premier League, I think it's called in some places, or, you know, it's a, it's a big the big game that's been built up to for a few weeks now. Uh, Liverpool have failed and won. They would have gone into first place as it was. It finished 2-2. Very entertaining game. Uh, I think both teams may feel that they, they could have won it, but I guess a, a draw, probably a fair result in the end. I just wanted to get your guys' thoughts on where you think this leads to the title race and do you think that now City are the overwhelming favourites and this is sort of the the opportunity missed for Liverpool. Yeah, it was a good game. And considering, like you say, all the pre-match build-up, we've had weeks and weeks of everyone telling us how amazing this game was going to be. It actually did manage to live up to expectations. Um, It was quite a funny game, though. I mean, there was a lot of, considering it was 2-2 and both teams had chances to win it, like you say, there was also quite large periods where the teams cancelled each other out. Um. Naturally, given the the two coaches involved, it was quite a tactical game as well. Um, and obviously, Guardiola and Klopp have come against each other a lot of times, not just in the Premier League with City and Liverpool, but in Germany with Bayern and Dortmund. So they know each other's game intimately now. And I think Liverpool played quite City-style in some ways and City played quite Liverpool-style in some ways. So there was a lot of sort of chess manoeuvring going on. Um in terms of how it leads the actual title race, I think you're right in that City are now strong, strong favourites. Um, you could see both teams probably winning all their remaining games. Liverpool probably have a tougher running, but I think they were saying in the, the post-match coverage over here in the UK, some of Liverpool's games that look hard on paper, like playing Man United and Everton, the way those two teams have been playing recently probably aren't going to be as hard as, as maybe you would suspect. So I don't think it would be that much of a shock if both teams won all their remaining games, which obviously gives the title to City. But I think the, the interesting thing is with so much else to play for, obviously City play Liverpool in the FA Cup semi-final next weekend. There's every chance they're going to play each other in the Champions League final in a few weeks' time as well. Um, 
I thought any games in the league around those big cup games in Europe and domestically are just going to be harder. There's going to be so much pressure on every single match. So I, th- I think there's a long way to go. I wouldn't be surprised if it was no drop points from either team and it was sort of similar to a couple of years ago where it was, what was it, 98 and 97 points from the title. Um, but it's it's unpredictable football, isn't it? And similarly, City could slip up when, when nobody expects it. So I think there's a, lot, there's a lot of football to be played, but obviously Liverpool will feel that this was their real opportunity to, to get out in front. Yeah, I agree with much of what Jamie said there. It was uh, one of those games that actually lived up to expectations after the weeks and hours and minutes of build-up leading to kick-off, as we know. Um, I just find it a little bit, uh, you know, we know how big this game is. You don't need to kid us. Um, but, yeah, you, you just go with it, don't you? But you're you're looking at two of the best teams in the country, if not Europe. This is episode two of this season, which could end up being four episodes, I think. I think that's right, five episodes even, because I know may well play each other twice in the in the Champions League. So they're going to get to know each other pretty intimately over the coming weeks. And uh, yeah, I, it, it was a good game to watch as a neutral. You know, I didn't really, I wasn't really fussed about who who won the game. It was it was enjoyable. I, I, I don't buy into the fact that, you know, this is the biggest rivalry in, in the country, um, if not Europe, because... <laughs> There's plenty more um, that challenged that uh, that that quote at the start of the game, but um, it was enjoyable. Um, I think I think Liverpool did very well. I don't think Liverpool were on form in this game at all. Um, City will probably be kicking themselves for for certainly not being you know way ahead by half time, three or four one up potentially. Um, how Liverpool got the two goals that they did in in you know in periods of the game where they weren't really at it. You know they're making mistakes all over the place. Very unlike Liverpool. Um, and I think they probably got away with one a little bit in this game, but it was it was intriguing game. Liverpool kind of, kind of came into the game as a second half wore on, obviously got that early equaliser, and kind of set the tone for the second half. But I think you know Liverpool, uh, City probably deserved to win the game, you know, based on the chances and 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 the possession and uh, and and how they played really. But you know they were the home side, um, and as I said, they probably be kicking themselves that they didn't get the get the win, but. A lot of football still to be played. And as, as Jamie said there, you know, you, you wouldn't put it past these two sides to actually win every single one of those what remaining seven or eight games, whatever number it is, between now and the end of the season. Um, obviously, they have FA Cup and also Champions League, which could play into that. Um, yeah, these two sides have big squads. I know both managers moan about how many games that are being played over the course of the season. But in the day, if you're going to be successful, then you've got to play these games, haven't you? So it's going to be intriguing over the coming weeks. Obviously the game today was, 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 was good, um, enjoyable and lived up to expectations. And I think, like I say, it's going to, there's a lot of football still to be played. And I, I suspect that there's that one of these teams could actually make a mess up of one of these games, you know, between now and the season. It's like I said, it, you wouldn't put it past them to win every single one of those games that are left to be played. But, you know, there there is a banana skin or two in there for each side. So on paper, you would say City have the easier running, but, you know, what's an easier running these days? You know, you're playing teams now at a point of the season where some teams have an awful lot to play for, you know, down the bottom of the t- table. But then you always have teams that have the pressure off and are playing with a lot more freedom. So you just don't know what you're going to contend with with some of these sides. Um, so it's going to be an interesting run into the, to the end of the season. Um, Liverpool probably did just enough to uh, to get a point. But um, yeah, I think City, if City had won this game, then I think you could 
probably have safely said that the title was going going to them. But um, it leaves it it leaves it finely poised, you know, with a point between them uh, and a draw today. But um, but yeah, it, it was an enjoyable game, lived up to expectations, and I guess at the end of the day, both side, both sets of fans could probably be quite happy with what they've seen today. Yeah, I agree with, with a lot of what you both said there. Um, I, I do think it's worth mentioning uh, Pep Guardiola making the, the decision to play Gabriel Jesus, which, which mm. was probably one of his strange decisions that he often got criticised for, but <laughs> kind of worked in this game. I thought he was quite he was offering a threat. He obviously got a goal. Um, may, maybe should have played in De Bruyne when it was a uh, 2-2 in the second half, but he, he played well. So I think Guardiola deserves credit for that one as he often gets mm. uh, criticised for... Uh, these strange decisions in big games. Um, but yeah, I, I think that City are, are now the favourites. I, I I think Liverpool winning would have been the best thing for the Premier League. But, you know, City did, failed to beat Palace twice this season. As you know, Jay, they failed to beat Southampton twice. I don't think just because they might be so-called easy games on paper, maybe they, these could be the type of games they could slip it up in. I think Wolves and West Ham away are both difficult games back-to-back. I think they're going to be two that could potentially... Um, the City drop points. I, I know West Ham. I think have beaten Liverpool and Chelsea at home this season. So you know they they definitely got the capability of beating a team like City. But um, yeah, it, it does look tough after today. But it's obviously a great game and a, and a great advert for the Premier League. As sometimes these games are not. Um, it probably helps that Guardiola and Klopp are not the coaches that are gonna set set eleven men behind the ball like some previous managers in this league. So yeah, it was always going to be like this. Um, Looking forward to the next next game next weekend and, and hopefully we see it in the Champions League as well. Um, but yeah, just moving on a little bit further down the table, uh, the battle for top four. I think a couple of weeks ago, everybody was thinking Arsenal were going to walk into that position. They, they were in great form. Um, Tottenham were sort of winning, losing, winning, losing. Um, Manchester United were, were very frustrating and they continue to be. Uh, West Ham obviously had Europa League as well. So it looked like Arsenal, everything was in their favour. Um, but two losses, one to Palace earlier this week again. Uh, then yesterday to Brighton. Um, so it's been a very poor week considering you'd, you'd expect Arsenal to, to to fancy themselves to win both of those games, especially Brighton. I think they had one in seven or eight games and were sliding quickly down the table. So it's a very bad week for Arsenal. What are your, what are your guys' thoughts on Arsenal? Um, and do you think now that their race is run in terms of the top four um, and, and what are the reasons for these two losses? Yeah, I think um, it's always been difficult to get a read on this Arsenal team because I, I feel like there's a, a real problem in the squad in terms of their mentality and their character. And when things are against them, I don't feel that they have it within them to turn it around. So I think it suited that Arsenal squad, which is quite a young squad. So. It's it's obviously something that's going to come with time and experience, but um, I think it suited Arsenal early early in the season when they were sort of written off and everyone decided that they weren't going to get into the Champions League. Um, but then you put some wins together and then they're suddenly the front runners and they've crumbled. Um, the thing for me is looking back at the results that had everyone getting excited. They drew at home to Burnley, which is a terrible result. And then they went on the run of wins, which was Wolves, so what, Brentford, so what, Wolves again, so what, Watford, so what, Leicester, so what. They didn't beat anyone. They didn't play anyone good. They beat five middling to bad teams, so what. Arsenal should be beating those teams. 
And then as soon as they play anyone good, they'll lose to Liverpool. So it's it's just where Arsenal are at now at the moment, I think. Um, I have a feeling the last time I was on the show, I said that I quite fancied Spurs to come up on the rails, actually. So check the tapes because it's not very often <laughs> I'm right. And I think I was actually right for once. Um, I think Spurs have essentially got better players. I think it, it comes down to that. You look at the way Son and Kane are linking up at the minute. They've long been two of the best attackers in the Premier League. Arsenal don't have anyone on that sort of level. Um, in terms of the managers as well, Mikel Arteta is obviously building something at Arsenal, and I do think it is coming together. Um, but he's nowhere near the same level as Antonio Conte, who's probably up there with in the top five coaches in world football with everything that he's achieved. Conte is obviously getting a tune out of Spurs now, having had his tantrums earlier in the season after losing at Burnley and suggesting that he was going to quit. Um, but with Arsenal, I, I just think it's the same as it's been all season in that they're careful of getting results and they're careful of getting terrible results. And you never seem to know what Arsenal is going to turn up. Um, but I think that there has been progress there. I have a running joke on, on Twitter about Arsenal turning the corner because I think critics have been far too kind to Arsenal and Arteta during his time there, considering he hasn't really had better returns than Unai Emery, who was treated like a bit of a joke and has now got VRL on the brink of the semi-finals of the Champions League. So Unai Emery, actually a really good coach, Unai. Um, but yeah, I think Arsenal have just got work to do. It's as simple as that. Yeah, excellent points, Jamie. I, I agree on Unai Emery. Um, treated as a bit of a joke, but actually if they'd have stuck with him a little bit longer. Uh, but I, I do think there's an element of, there's a there's a bigger problem at some of these English clubs. You look at United, you look at Arsenal. You know, both of those clubs had a manager in charge for a long, long time. Football changed in that time an awful lot. And I think both clubs are probably play, play, paying the price for that a little bit. Um, maybe it's an easy thing to say, but I think when, when you've had somebody in charge and had success for so long, you know, it, it, it kind of becomes, I don't know, did it, uh, did it become a bit stale at both clubs? I don't know. But obviously, they're trying to live up to those expectations of, of the past. And it's, it's proven very difficult. Football's so different now than, than those times when they had success. So I think, yeah, it's a very good point that, you know, Arteta doesn't get the criticism as as much as uh, former managers used to I think there's something about Arteta though that if they stick with him um, and I'm saying that purely from a selfish perspective because I don't want them to go for Vieira at the moment because Vieira's doing a great job of us um, but yeah I, there's something about Arteta that you know maybe he needs a, a couple more transfer windows to actually find you know sort out this squad because it's easy to forget that they lost to Bamiyang um, through controversial circumstances obviously a bit of a problem in there in the uh in the squad um but there is an element within the squad that they're uh, you know they do have this this confidence confidence issue um losing to liverpool like they did i mean they've lost three in a row now after a very good run of games and jamie's spot on they're beating teams that they should be beating mid-table teams but they come across liverpool and that's kind of you know taking them off the rails a little bit and uh, and come to palace on monday and to be honest you know i think palace did their homework and the high press that they just just could not contend with at all, you know, during the game, you know, going one nil down, they just lost their heads completely, and uh, you know that says a lot about what Jamie's referring to within the squad. They just don't have, 
you know, this, the, I don't know whether it's experience in their side or whether they just have too many hotheads. You know, you've got to look at the likes of you know, Xhaka and, and players like that. You know, they've got young players in there as well, but it's not a mix of players that perhaps, you know, um, it brings a winning squad together kind of thing. You know, Lacazette, you know, he's a captain, but to me, it doesn't seem like a captain. Doesn't doesn't lead on the pitch at all. He's, you know, seeing him on Monday night, you know, in, in, in the flesh. And you know, he disappeared a lot and was doing a lot of moaning and stuff like that. And, you know, I'm not saying moaning doesn't, uh, you know, make a great captain or anything like that. But, yeah, they were, they were very average on Monday. They really were. And, you know, you look at their squad of players that, you know, they're bringing on a lot of youngsters, so they don't have a lot of depth in that squad at all. So, you know, that needs addressing whether there's money available in the summer or, or whatever. You know, I think it's uh, it's still a work in progress. And I think Arteta will get there if, if he's given time, but people don't get time in football, do they? I think he could turn out to be a, to be a decent coach. You know, he's, he's been at City, he's learned from some of the best and very much like Vieira as well. Um, but yeah, I, Arsenal are a funny side. They always have been for the last few seasons since they've kind of trying to find their way. Um, and, they, you know, they, they, they've missed out. They've, they've let one go, haven't they, in, in Emery, who's doing great things at Villarreal and, and did great things before he went to Arsenal as well. So um, I do wonder whether there's a deeper uh, a deeper issue at some of these clubs. You know, managers come in and just can't do anything, like Ranić at, uh, at United as well. Um, I do wonder there's, there's a lot more going on behind the scenes that... Uh, there's probably nothing to do with the management or the manager coming in. But um, yeah, it's, it's an interesting one, Arsenal, because you watch them week in, week out. You know, they had that good run of game, a good run of wins, and then they come up against Liverpool and uh, they seem to have gone off the rails. But I do believe that, you know, if you have, if you play the right tactics against Arsenal, which some of these sides didn't particularly do, then, you know, you'll you're put them under pressure like we did on Monday. And Brighton did the very same thing yesterday. Um, so, yeah, I, I think Spurs are looking very good. Um, Kane and Son and actually their squad of players are playing really well together and Conte's done a it's taken time to get them to you know playing well but he's got them playing well you know and they, they're in they're in the hot seat I know, I know they're playing Arsenal uh, coming up quite shortly but um, you can't see Arsenal getting a result out of Spurs at the moment the way they're playing you know they look very fluid and they're you know they're, they're, they're winning games of ease at the moment very different to what they were you know, earlier on in the season. So, you know, they look a very different but confident outfit at the moment. So, you would have to say that they're favourites for that fourth place at the moment. Um, and obviously, Arsenal and United are, are falling by the wayside uh, for sure. So, yeah, I don't know what that means for Arsenal, you know, whether they can uh, you know, end up in the Europa Conference League or, or whichever. Um, whether that will, you know, appease the fans next season? Probably not. Arsenal fans are very difficult to appease, but they're very easy to wind up, aren't they? So, uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's it's intriguing for sure. I don't know what the problem is at Arsenal. I, I really don't. It's they, they they seem to go on this run, and then everything's all hunky dory, and then all of a sudden the wheels come off, and and uh, and it's, it's the end of the world. So it's it's very difficult to pinpoint. But um, uh, yeah, it's interesting to see um, Arteta come out and apologise for the performance after the game on Monday. Um, took all the plaudits away from Palace, of course, but obviously the media concentrated on the fact that Arteta had apologised and it was a very poor performance and they followed that up with similar at home um, yesterday. So, um, yeah, it's, it, it remains to be seen how the rest of their season is going to go, but uh, I don't think the rest of the remaining fixtures are very kind to them either. So I wouldn't put them as favourites for fourth place. I'd say Spurs are nicely set there at the moment yeah I think the thing with Arsenal is um, 
I've always, I've, I've always, I've thought this for a while about Arteta, and that he's, he, he's right. I think he's quite bad at managing egos and and managing players. Mm. I think that mm. he's, he he doesn't come across as a very good man manager. You, you see what happened with Ozil. Obviously, he sort of left under a cloud. The same happened with Aubameyang, Willian to an extent as well. Uh, and and the recent one for me that I think is is has damaged Arsenal in the last week is. Tierney obviously going out injured. They've got yeah. a, another left back in the squad in Nuno Tavares. Yes, he had a very poor half against against Palace, and but he, he then t- took him off at half time. A sort of comments in the press weren't that supportive of him. Uh, dropped him and and moved Chaka out to left back. Yesterday it just seemed very strange when you've also got Thomas Partey going off injured. You, you you're moving both your you know you've lost one central midfielder. You're moving another one to left back. It just seems. A strange way to to damage yourself. You know, you, you you're going to be without Tierney and uh, Party. Why move another one of your better players? You know, everybody has their opinions on Chaka, but he is well, he, if if Party's out, he's he's the best central midfielder. Why then move him to left back when you've got another one in the squad? It seems strange. And I think that his sort of abrasive personality and the way he's quite cold with the players. I don't think it's helping Arsenal, um, especially now they're lacking goals in their team. They're very They've got a very thin squad, you know. Aubameyang, yes, he, he he obviously had his problems. He's, his discipline wasn't great off the pitch, but we see what he's doing at Barcelona now. He's scoring goals for Barcelona, and he, Xavi seems to be getting a tune out of him. Uh, and maybe he's not as finished as we thought he was at Arsenal. It just seems strange that they got rid of him as well, especially now that they're lacking goals. They seem to be relying on Saka and Smith Rowe to score the goals. Neither of them are that prolific. Um, and, and anyway, it's a lot of pressure to put on those two players to sort of score the goals to get you into the Champions League. I think he's, he's made a lot of areas sort of in his management of the squad and management of the the players that, that have cost Arsenal. And uh, I think they're all just sort of coming, to, coming home to roost now. Um, and, and unfortunately, that's probably going to cost them a top four finish. Um, but yeah, moving on uh, to our final topic, uh, a little bit of a, a speculative one here. I just wanted to get your guys' thoughts on who do you think could be in the running for the, the PFA Player and Young Player of the Year awards? I know we're coming around to that sort of time of the year. Is it going to be one of the usual suspects, De Bruyne or Salah? Or, or is there anybody else that you think could be in the running for the award? Yeah, I think it, it's an interesting time to bring this up, isn't it? Because normally you would talk about this at this stage of the season, but I suppose there's so much still to play for that um, on-field football has, has taken precedent, which is maybe not a bad thing. Uh, I think the two that you mentioned are probably going to be front runners again, but I think neither has made an overwhelming case. I think De Bruyne right now is in fantastic form and dominating games like he did the Liverpool game today. Um, but earlier in the season, he didn't seem to be clicking. I, I think he had a couple of injuries that he, he struggled to shake off. He just didn't seem to be hitting these heights. Whether he was just saving himself for, for the running um, is difficult to say. I think Salah the opposite. He obviously started in fantastic form and at the minute seems to be struggling a bit. Um, whether there's there's lasting impact of the disappointment from AFCON, backed up by um, the World Cup qualifying, is difficult to say. Um, some people might also suggest that the speculation about his contract talks is distracting. Whatever it is, Salah's not playing well right now. And it could have even been the case that Klopp could have not started him today. And I don't think it would have been a huge shock because I think on current form, he's not in Liverpool's strongest team. But obviously, he's more so, so he's still playing. Um, 
So it wouldn't surprise me if those two, as the outstanding individuals in the outstanding teams, were leading the conversation. But I would look elsewhere, actually. I think City's most important player, and I think City's going to win the league, so I'm looking at City naturally. Um, I think their most important player is Joe Cancelo. This is a guy who came as a right-back and was being talked of as being sent away again within months because he couldn't get in the team, essentially. Kyle Walker was keeping him out of the team. Cancelo was on the bench, not getting a game. It was thought that they were just going to cut their losses and get rid. Now Cancelo plays at left-back or at right-back or in midfield and is inevitably one of the best players on the pitch wherever he plays. When Cancelo plays at left-back, it gives City so many more dimensions to their play. The pass for Jesus scoring today was absolutely absurd from a fullback. Um, I just think he's one of these players who's sort of redefining what is possible. Um, Liverpool have a similar right-back who does that in Trent Alexander-Arnold, but I think Cancelo, he's almost got more, more gears than Alexander-Arnold. I think we've really seen that this season. We know that Guardiola has this kind of fetish for fullbacks and turning everyone into midfielders. We've seen him do it with Philip Lahm at, at Bayern Munich and various other play, players over the years. Um, Kimmich, sorry, rather than Lahm. Lahm was obviously before. Um, so he's done it in the past and Cancelo seems to be his latest pet project. But I think the story with Cancelo from a guy who was on the fringes and treated as this big money flop to someone who is now probably one of the first names on the sheet for City, even if he fills in different positions. I just think it's been a fantastic turnaround. And the guy's an absolute joy to watch. He's so, so good to watch on the ball. Um, he's one of my favourite players in the league at the minute. And as unlikely as it is to see a fullback competing for individual honours, I think Cancelo will be a, a really worthy recipient. Um, and in terms of young player, I think it's really hard to look beyond Phil Foden. Like the kid just does things that shouldn't be possible at that age. He had quite a quiet game against Liverpool, actually, which is a shame because some of Foden's most defining performances so far in his career have been against Liverpool in these big games. Um, didn't really happen this weekend. But I think Foden is just taking his game to, to levels that People hoped that he was going to get to, but maybe not at such a young age. The fact that he's doing it week in, week out now, at whatever he is, 21. Um, I think it's fantastic for England with a World Cup on the horizon. Um, and he's already one of the best players in Europe at, at that age. It's, it's frightening to, to think of, of how good Phil Foden could be. So they'd be my picks. I think Cancelo and Foden are two of the best players to watch. Great shouts. I, you, you stole my thunder, Jamie, with Cancelo. <clears throat> I love watching him play. Um, just some of the things he did today, even though it wasn't one of his better games, but even today he was still, you know, doing stuff that you wouldn't expect to fall back. I think, I think some of the commentary was uh, was actually talking about this, about Cancelo being, you know, too good to be a fallback. But obviously, <laughs> you got guys there talking, Phil, uh, sorry, Gary Neville and Jamie Carragher talking about football, which back in their day was very different. Fallbacks today are different players completely, aren't they? When you look at Cancelo, um, Alexander-Arnold, those sorts of players, they're very different. 
um, fallbacks than, than what we used to be used to 10, 15 years ago. Um, or, or Jamie's mentioned most of um, the players I've mentioned. I think Salah's an interesting one because, you know, while he's had a decent season, you know, in comparison to previous seasons, he's he's had a disappointing season, if that makes any kind of sense at all. To, to any 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 normal player, then you know that, that has played like him this season, then you would say that they've had a really good season. But you know, Salah's levels are of expectation are so high that um, you can almost be just a little bit disappointed with you know his season so far. And and personally for him, obviously it's not been great. You know what with Egypt internationally um, at the Afcon and also. Um, World Cup qualifiers as well. It's been disappointing on that front, but yeah, you know, he's still be of a shout. Um, as will Alexander Arnold, I mentioned as well. I can't remember what the limit is for young player actually. Now, is it twenty? Is it twenty two, twenty three? Was it? I can't remember. It was something weird a few years ago. I think it was up to twenty four, wasn't it? But um, also Kevin De Bruyne didn't have a very good start to the season. First, first ten, fifteen games, he was a little bit invisible, but now he's 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 really come on this second half and is really driving City forward. Had a really good game today, as Jamie said as well. Um, Cancelo would be in with a shout. A couple of players that haven't been mentioned, actually. Um, Bernardo Silva, I thought, had a really good game today. He's had a really good season. Not throughout the whole season. He's had a couple of dodgy patches, but he's played very well for City this season as well. Um, Son for Spurs has been excellent. Hat-trick yesterday. Um, has been really good and, is, and has really come to the fore, obviously, since Spurs have been playing well under Conte, but has been throughout the season. He's been scoring the goals, links very well with Kane as well. Um, and again, I don't think Kane, Kane's in a similar position to Salah in that you know hasn't had an outstanding season, just what you'd expect from him. Um, but actually, you know, he's, it, when you, it's easy to forget that he has actually had um, a, a decent season. The one, the one I would mentioned that nobody is, has, has mentioned at all and, and probably won't is Ivan Tony for Brentford. I think he's had an excellent season for a team that have come up um, first season in the Premier League and have acclimatised very well. Look, look like they're going to survive. I think their win against West Ham today sees them 12 points, I think, from the bottom three. Uh, and that, in my book, that makes them you know, safe, I think, from um, the bottom three as things stand. I think, you know, there's been a few controversies around Tony this season, but I think he's played very well, scored the goals for, and he's had a period out injured as well. Um, and they missed him during those periods. Now he's back in the side um, and Ericsson pulling the strings. I think, yeah, he's he's been very good this season as well. Um, in terms of young player, already mentioned Phil Foden, brilliant, absolutely brilliant player. Um, Jamie's already mentioned he's one of the best players in Europe already. He's only 21, I think. Um, it's going to be a star across, you know, he's going to be a world uh, star. Um, elsewhere, I think, you know, Mason Mount will be up there. Also, it's another player that I didn't mention for the for the player of the season. He won't get it, um, but I think he's had an excellent season. It's Jared Bowen for West Ham. He's played very well um, and, and should be considered amongst those other names actually for player of the season because he's had a really good season and one of the reasons West Ham are having a good season as well. Um, young player, Mason Mountain will be in there probably as well. I don't think he's had as good a season as as some, but he's still going to be up there. Um, and I'm going to go for a personal shout here, Conor Gallagher. I think he's, he's been amazing this season. I think I watch him week in, week out, so I'm bound to be a little bit biased. 22 years old, the energy of the guy is incredible. Um, you know, I think that that's the biggest thing Palace are going to miss next Sunday in the FA Cup semi-final against Chelsea is not having Conor Gallagher available. 
because he's been um, such a breath of fresh air for us this season and a massive reason why we've done pretty well under under Vieira and, and Vieira understands that. Um, it's going to be a big miss because I, I don't think we're going to have any chance of keeping him um, at Palace after this season. So enjoy him while, while we can, Palace fans, because I think that's that's he's going to be a star as well. Um, Chelsea would be foolish not to keep him and uh, and put him in their side. He's been excellent for us in that role. Um, just so much energy in the pressing and scores goals as well. You know, score. I think he scored eight goals for us this season as well. So he, I think he'd be in for a shout um, for, as as young player of the season as well. Um, so yeah, few few names there, but um, I think it's going to be tight. I think Phil Foden probably will just edge young player of the season. And for for player of the season, I, I quite fancy Son to take it. Son or Cancelo, I, either of those two. They they've really impressed me both this season. So one of those two. Yeah, I think I think you've covered all the names there. Um, <laughs> I would just say, say a, a couple of would go on the Harry Kane point, even though he had an awful first half of the season. He's he's got excellent PR in the media, so I'm sure he'll be in the running for some sort of an award. Uh, it's probably the same for Cristiano Ronaldo. He'll get a few shots, even though he's been pretty terrible, uh, just because of who they are. Um, Mason Mount's an interesting one because he's got the most goals and the most assists for Chelsea in the Premier League so he's obviously had an excellent season but he seems to be one that doesn't really get talked about I think he needs better PR uh, he needs to, to employ somebody to get his get his reputation off because he seems to get overlooked a lot for these things considering how he, he's playing regularly for the team third in the league champions of Europe and he's he's got the most goals and most assists in, that, in their team so obviously having a great season but yeah need, need some better PR uh, but yeah, for me, I think I'd I probably would go Bernardo Silva. I think he's been really good and and had that longevity. Although Cancelo is a, it would be a very worthy winner too. Um, and for the young player award, I quite like quite like the idea of giving it to maybe Jared Bowen, uh, not Jared Bowen, sorry, uh, Conor Gallagher. I think he's definitely had the breakthrough of the season. Um, but yeah, they're not going to give it to him. So it will be probably Mason Mount or somebody that you think you know is, is way too old to win the award. That's normally what happens. <laughs> I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Moving in to the club-specific questions now, we'll start with you, Jamie. Um, Burnley, it's been a bit of a weird week, beating 
Everton, seemingly that was taking a huge step forward. Seems that the momentum was changing, but that's going back to square one now with you losing the Norwich today and Manchester United doing what they do and, and disappointing you when you want them to win, uh, losing to Everton. But, you know, all in all, both teams have got three points this week, but it does seem like the momentum is swinging back to Everton now. Uh, how despondent are you today? And are you starting to sort of give up hope of, of managing to to catch Everton or any of the other teams that are sort of in and around the relegation battle. Yeah, I think it is difficult to see a way out now, mainly because I think if you're going to lose to Norwich, then you need maybe three more, three, four wins to have any chance of getting out of it. How are you going to get three or four wins if you can't even beat Norwich? Like, it's that simple, isn't it? Um, it's it, it has been a wild week from Everton seeming Dean seeming to be down and out on Wednesday night. Their players were all on the floor as if they thought that was it um, at the end of that game, which was a wild, crazy game. Um, and then obviously a few days later, it's, it's sort of as it was, but I think the the mental, the impact on players' mentality of the results that we've seen over the weekend is just going to be really different. Um I think from a Burnley perspective as well, it was huge for us that we played after Everton had won, after Leeds had won. So the difference between getting to one point from safety to then being back to four points away before you play again, it's just like, well, that win almost felt like it was for nothing. Um, and just watching the players today, it just seemed like that's how they felt, that it was that it was done, essentially. They seemed to be playing with a lot of... Um, Fear, whereas Norwich was sort of more playing with freedom because everyone already thinks that they're gone. Um, so, yeah, it was difficult. I think, like a lot of games this season, the luck wasn't really on our side. I don't think we deserved anything from the game, but the Norwich goal took a big deflection. We had a few shots from a similar area that took deflections and flew wide. So you just wonder if one of them goes in, maybe it's a different game. Maxwell Corner, who's been our best player by a mile this season, missed a really, really easy chance in the second half. And I feel like if he's put that in with 25 minutes to go, stat came up on the TV coverage, Norwich have dropped more points from winning positions than anyone in the league, I think. But no, that wasn't it. Sorry, I've got that wrong. Norwich have conceded more goals in the last 15, 20 minutes than anyone in the league. So... I think if, if Burnley had equalised and then really put pressure on them in the last 20 minutes, then maybe it would have been a different story. But it's been shudder, woulda, cudders all season for us. And poor playing both boxes costs us every single game. And that's what happens today. So there's no excuses, but you're right. It's, it's looking particularly bleak now. And although the fixtures don't look that bad coming up, we've played... Norwich twice and Watford once, the other two teams in the bottom three, and we haven't scored a single goal in those three games. So that tells you everything that you need to know. Yeah, it's been interesting because obviously playing Everton and then uh, um, Norwich today, you conceded four goals across those two games. Obviously, two penalties, um, the deflected one today, and then the the late one for Pukie. Seems strange that I sort of just expect Burnley to, to go on a run of keeping three or four clean sheets, getting seven points and sort of climbing out of it. But it doesn't seem like that. 
that's going to happen. And it, it, it's a strange one for Dyche. Do you think that there's a reason for the defence doesn't look as formidable this year? Is it because of Mays' injury? Is it because Tarkovsky maybe has his mind elsewhere? Or is it further forward? Maybe the midfield is, is more of the issue. For me, it's definitely the midfield that's the issue, but I think it is. There's various contributing factors. Um, we actually had our best run of results all season came six weeks ago or so now when we won at Brighton, then beat Spurs at home and then drew away at Palace in a game that we maybe could have won as well. Um, and those results all came when Jack Cope was in the team. Ashley Westwood had COVID, so he was obviously unavailable. Cope played those three games. The midfield suddenly functional. We only conceded once in those three games. But as soon as Westwood was available again, he came back into the team for Cork and we've been terrible ever since. So I think that was a key change. Cork offers that protection to the defence that we don't seem to have when he's not in the team. I don't really understand how Dash can have seen those three games, seen a functioning midfield for the first time all season and decided to go back to a broken mess of a midfield that we've got at the minute. Um, right now, obviously, you're right, Ben Mee is out, and I think that has an impact. Um, Nathan Collins has done okay as he's, he's sort of standing, but I think there is a clear drop-off there. I think Tarkovsky's probably actually been our best player apart from Kone all season, so earlier in the campaign, he was easy to, to pick on because he has come out and said that he's not going to sign his new contract. Basically, he's going to move on at the end of the season, but there's been recent games where he's been the only one playing with real sort of full-bodied commitment. So, yeah, it's 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 a real difficult one. I think it's hard to put your finger on exactly what it is. I think partly because it's been the same team, broadly speaking. Corne's come in, there's a couple of new faces, but you look at the, the bulk of the Burnley squad and it's been together for a few years, playing for the same manager, I think, at a certain point. Maybe the message just doesn't sink in anymore or it gets a bit stale. Um, but you're right, defensively, you'd expect Burnley to be a lot better. But it's been problems at both ends. I've just said about not scoring against the teams around the table. I think there's one game in the past six that we've scored. Um, and we haven't spread our goals out. We've scored three in three games, I think, which is good. And then failed to score in about half of the games. So... That's not good. <laughs> it's um, been a bit of a perfect storm with bad defence and bad attack, which is you can maybe get away with one in the Premier League if the others bail you out of trouble, but that's not been happening for us often enough. Yeah, just just finally on, on the attack, I'll sort of ask about three players here to save time. Um, I thought Maxwell Corne was good today. He definitely seems like he's the one that's going to get you out of it if anybody does, even despite that miss. Um, do you think that, that Dice sort of need, uh, needs to change who plays up front? Because obviously Vegos came in, you had a lot of people on, on Twitter saying how good he was and how, how much yeah. of an upgrade he was than Chris Wood. But watching the game, he does, doesn't seem to do the running into the channels. He does, no. He's quite immobile. Um, do you think that, that, that maybe he, he hasn't worked out quite as well as, as Wood had worked in, the, in Dice's team? And do you think that maybe he needs to to come out and McNeil to come back in and maybe Corne to move up front because I thought McNeil when he came on today definitely looked like one of the better players on the pitch. It seems strange to me he's not playing, but I'm sure that there's probably a reason for that. Yeah, I mean, personally, I feel like McNeil's been scapegoated a little bit. Um, whichever game he was dropped after, 
I think he was dropped after the City game because he didn't do enough defending. But you're dropping a winger for not defending properly. It seems a bit backwards thinking to me. Um, I think you're absolutely right on Vegos. I think a lot of people were quick to say, to look at the goals records of Chris Wood and about Vegos and go, well, Vegos is clearly a better player. But you need a player who fits the system as well. And while Chris Wood wasn't having a good season for us, he's historically been very successful, scored 10 goals every season in the Premier League for us. So it was a safer bet as you can get really in the Premier League. There's not many players who've been that consistent in terms of goal scoring in the last few years. Quite an elite club of players that have scored double figures. So um, I was more upset than most people when Wood left. I understood that it was a good deal and the release caused me that it was impossible to turn down. But I, I feel like Wood was someone who would come good at some point. He always has. And although having £80 million of players in the Newcastle team around him, um, I think the platform that Wood has given Newcastle's attack has been a real catalyst for their improvement. So I'm not surprised at all that even though he's not been scoring every week up there, he, he's had a big impact on the turnaround on the heady out. Um, and Vegos has just not done it. I think he's had one good game at Brighton and that's been it. I do feel for him because he's obviously come in mid-season, playing in a new league for the first time in his career. Like Wood, he'd had a slow start to the season as well, so he wasn't coming high on confidence or in good form. Um, and we don't play to his strengths. We treat Vegos like we treated Chris Wood as sort of a big lump of a target man. And Vegos is massive, so you look at him and think he's going to be that sort of player, but he's really not. He's quite poor in the air, considering he's six foot six or something. He wants the ball to feet or into his chest and he wants to drop off on link-up play and we just want him to win headers. So I do feel for him. Um, but you're right, he, he doesn't run the channels. He doesn't hold the ball up. He doesn't win the aerial battles. So if we're not going to play to his strengths, he shouldn't be in the team. Um, I think you look at a record, like I just said, one game in the past six that we've scored, something clearly needs to change. I think McNeil should certainly be back in the team. Anyone who's listened to me on the podcast before knows I'm a big fan of Dwight McNeil. He's not had a good season, but you need players who have ability and are going to make things happen. And he set up the golden chance for corner straight after coming on today. So he certainly had an impact. I think if you're starting Aaron Lennon over Dwight McNeil and you need to score goals, then that's just nonsense. It's absolute nonsense. I cannot get my head around it. Um, and I think you're right, Vegos should probably have a spell on the bench. Matty Vidra scored, not scored. He set up the, the goal for Corny in the Everton game. He looked lively. Um, our team wants to play a bit more football when it's Vidra up front. So I think if you had Vidra, Corny, McNeil, you've suddenly got footballs in the team rather than just big men. <laughs> I think it will be tempting for Dash to just sort of revert to even more Dash football to try and get out of it. but. I think we've seen all season that that's not working. So I think a different approach, get some footballs in the team. Connor Roberts got dropped today, which I thought was also nonsense. So I'd have Roberts back in as well. Pick players who can play football and try and play some football and try and get out of it that way because what we've been doing all season just hasn't worked. Yeah, moving on to Palace now, Jay. Uh, obviously, a disappointing result today, but a great win against Arsenal earlier in the week and the FA Cup to come. I guess you're feeling pretty positive about where Palace are at the moment. 
Yeah, obviously, today was disappointing. I think a lot of Palace fans are probably expecting it a little bit. You know, the first half was very, very lethargic. <clears throat> Players clearly not wanting to get booked or sent off or injured. So, you know, there's no understating it. Yeah, the FA Cup semi-final next Sunday is massive for our club and the players uh, at the club. So, you know, it's it's a really big thing against Chelsea. Probably, probably the one team that we may have a slight chance against if if we were if we were going to pick out of any of the three. Um, you know, we're obviously talking about you know it's us against the top three in the Premier League at the moment. But yeah, today was disappointing. But you know, we've been on a good run. You know, we've had six seven games unbeaten. Um, in all competitions and uh, beating Arsenal on Monday clearly took uh, more out of us than we expected. I know Leicester played in a week in um, in the uh, in Europe, but I think Vieira was probably I don't know he went he went with exactly the same team, made no changes to the to the team on Monday, and that was probably a little bit foolish. But Vieira's done enough for us this season to you know to for us not to not to question what he's been doing. But you know on on the flip side. You would probably have expected a few a few changes for today and uh, a few fresh legs in that uh, in that starting lineup against Leicester. I mean, Leicester are no mugs. Let's face it; they're on the same points as us going into this game, and with slightly worse goal difference. So, um, you know, it's it, it, it's a game between two sides in in, in similar positions in the league, and uh, you'd probably expect Leicester to be a bit higher, but that's just where they are. It's um, and it was a narrow win in the end. Let's face it, Palace. Um, did battle back in the second half, um, scored um, well, well missed a penalty twice, and then scored on a rebound. So um, uh, Schmeichel, as you can imagine, was uh, uh, fuming as ever uh, after after that, saving two penalties and then uh, and then conceding from a rebound. So we just didn't have enough in us to find um, find the equaliser, unfortunately, which you know would have been a good fight back. But as it turned out, you know the the. The, the real lethargic first half, it, it gave us too much um, to get back, especially conceding the second goal um, right before the break on the 45th minute. So you, you never, you, you don't need that. Um, and it kind of sets you back a little bit. But I think <clears throat> there's an awful lot to be said for today's game. I think it'll be a distant memory come next weekend, um, heading into the FA Cup semi-final. We, we've, we've had a great season to this point so far, um, far better than we ever expected, let's face it. Um, we had a we had an interesting summer. Um, you know, Roy Hodgson retired, and then there was a lot of reports about who we we're going to bring in. Ended up being Vieira, and we expected it to be a transition season. You know, if we finished seventeenth and outside the bottom three of the season, it would have been it would have been a good season. You know, from from most of our minds, because you know Vieira's come in, hasn't managed in the Premier League before, um, but you know, he's he, he's done pretty well for us. And you know, we sit in tenth place at the moment. We haven't finished in the top. We've finished once in the top 10 in the Premier League since we returned. And that was uh, under Tony Pulis. So we're playing much better football than that. And we're currently sitting in 10. So if we can finish in the top 10 this season, um, that you know, in Vieira's first season, that'll be fantastic. And, and obviously getting to the FA Cup semi-final, you know, you've always got, you know, you've always got a dream there, haven't you? So, you know, we'll see what next week brings. Yeah, I hope at Wembley there's a there's a better memory than than Pardew's dance from last time. Hopefully that we can forget about that and there'll be a much yeah, better. Yeah, I was hoping you weren't going to mention that, but uh, yeah, yeah. Let's let's try it. Let's get to the final first, and then we'll worry about that. <laughs> but yeah, yeah. I just wanted to ask you about Zaha. He's obviously back mm. in the team, been scoring goals. Um, I feel yeah. like now that Palace don't need him as much as you did maybe two years ago. You've got Elise, who I think is one of the best young players in the league mm. in in mm. pure talent. You've got Eze coming back in as well. Um, where where do you think 
the Zaha stands of Palace now. Do you think that now it's he's there for life, or do you think maybe Palace may may they may be moving on to a life without Zaha naturally, and maybe it's not going to be him pushing for the move. It might just be uh, something that that comes to an end at some point, and Palace are the ones that actually wants to move make that move. I think Wilf's enjoying life more than he ever has at Palace at the moment. You know, he's playing football with a smile on his face. He's scoring goals. Um, he scored his 12th goal of the season uh, today um, and we've still got seven or eight games left to play. So, you know, he's he's banging form and you have to remember that he went to the AFCON, so he missed a few weeks of the season um, and we actually won a, a game or two during that period as well. So it's, you know, it's it was it was always a boring stat when um, when Wilf wasn't playing for us that Palace wouldn't win. Um, so I think the main thing is to put that to bed. I think the biggest thing about it is that you mentioned two players there, Eze and Elisa have come in um, Eze is slowly returning from a horrible Achilles injury, um, which put paid to his season last season. He's slowly being brought back in, which Vieira's doing exactly the right thing. So Achilles injury is, you know, is a horrible thing. And you know, some players don't actually fully recover from it and actually don't come back the same player. But we've seen glimpses of Eze. Eze came on and changed the game for us a little bit today, uh, won the penalty. And then, uh, you know, we, we he really um, he really gave us something extra. But you know, this Palace side is is exciting. You know, Vieira's got us playing good football. We've got the excitement in there. We've got Wilf, we've got Eze, and we've got Elise. And Elise has come into the side. He's currently out injured. Whether he's going to make the semi-final next week is is still questionable. But I think he was probably left back in South London today just so he can get fit for next weekend uh, more than anything else. Elise has been brilliant. Five assists so far this season, a couple of goals to boot. Uh, we we signed him in the summer, um, and I think he was a was a young player of uh, the championship last season, I think, or, or there or thereabouts. Um, very highly rated, and we got him for like seven or eight million, which is an absolute steal because you know, Vieira's been very clever with introducing him to the to the, to the Premier League, and you know he's come in and every time he's played, he's done something. You know, he's whether it's from the bench or starting the game whether it's scoring a goal, whether it's providing an assist, he's, you know, he's, yeah, we've got three players there. You mentioned Zaha, but we've actually got other players that can do, you know, different things to Zaha, you know, take players away from other players and that kind of stuff. You mentioned Zaha about, you know, whether whether we potentially, I mean, it's, it's so boring every, every summer, every transfer window, is Zaha going to stay? Is Zaha going to leave? That sort of thing. But the last two windows, we've not really had that. There's not been any noise about Wilf going elsewhere. I think that the, the biggest, um, the biggest one was uh, was Arsenal turning him down, uh, turning down going for Wilf and signing Pep, um, which you know Pep's a good player. Um, he's coming to his own now, but I still find it amazing now that you know Wilf being a Premier League player, he's done it season in, season out, um, and nobody's nobody's taken a part in him, which is fine by me because you know. We love him at Palace. Um, you know, you know what you're going to get from Wilf. He's he's passionate about football. Um, sometimes doesn't show it in the right way, but you know he's passionate about playing football. He wants to win. Um, you could argue why is he at Palace, but you know Palace is his team. And I think this season you're seeing a different side of him in that he's enjoying his football. He's loving playing under Vieira. Vieira was one of the players he watched at Arsenal. He's an Arsenal fan. He watched Vieira playing, you know, what, clearly one of the players that he, he looked up to and having him come in was probably one of the best things we could have, you know, we could have had. And, you know, even better now looking back and, and where we are at the moment. But um, he gets on really well with Vieira. You look at a lot of the training videos and that kind of stuff. And, yeah, I, Wilf is in, I think he's having his most enjoyable season at Palace. And I think it shows a lot 
I think it showed a lot against Arsenal on Monday night, actually. You know, some of the things he was pulling off and tricks and that. Um, you know, he's just such a skillful player. And to do that in a Premier League game, you know, you've really got to have some balls to do some of the things that some of these players do. But actually what he was doing against Arsenal on Monday was just a different level, you know. And and and, and that and that kind of thing makes me wonder why nobody ever took a part of him. Obviously, he went to United far too early. He was, he was Ferguson's first, last signing at United before he... Uh, left United, David Moyes didn't play wingers, didn't get on with David Moyes, and you know, the rest is history. So I'm just glad he came back to Palace and uh, you know, he's doing his stuff for us now. I I suspect I, I don't know, I don't wanna I, I don't wanna count my chickens just yet, but I suspect at the moment, you know, the only way that he would leave Palace would be if Vieira ended up at Arsenal as manager and he would take Wilf with him. I that I think that's the only way that he would end up going. That's the only um, that's probably the only interest he would have. I could be wrong, but you know, Wilf this season has been brilliant. You know, twelve goals speaks speaks volumes, and you know he, he plays as one of the thumb three at the moment. He plays wide more than more often than not. Actually, he has played central, but he's much better when he's wide over front three. And um, he's been a real threat, particularly since he came back from the African Cup of Nations. He's been a real threat for us, and there's been a a massive player. But like you said, you know, we, it's not just Wilf anymore, and I think that's. I think that's a really good thing because when you when you have one dangerous player on the side, which we've had for a long time with Wilf, and you know you have good players alongside him, but actually you don't have the players to take defenders away from Wilf or or or, or vice versa. Now we have Elise that's going to drag players away. You've got Eze that's going to drag players away. Even Ayu does it as well now. Um, so you've got a you know got a number of players there that can that can do. Uh, that can do things that would occupy the defence in the midfield of, of an opposition. So it's it's a it's a decent time at Palace at the moment. We've got we we've, we're playing good football and we've got the players to do it. So yeah, um, I don't want, again I don't want to speak too 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 soon because you know you don't know what's around the corner in the world of football, do you? But at the moment it's it, it's going well. Yeah, I think the world just wants all to leave Palace. So <laughs> it does sound like he's, he's a lot happier now. And uh, yeah, I, I don't think he's going to leave. I think that I think the 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 ship has sailed on that. But um, it's good to see him yeah. enjoying his football, and hopefully you get get that win next week, which takes us nicely into to match previews. Uh, we might as well stick with Palace and your semi final. Jay, how do you see that one? Yeah. Oh dear. Well, I mean, this would be my. My third FA Cup semi-final. Um, obviously, I, I, I was around um, to see us beat Liverpool, which nobody gave us hope in hell in 1990. You know, that was the old formidable Liverpool side that were all conquering. We we didn't have a hope in hell. I, you know, I, I don't even know what the betting odds were in that game. Uh, and then a few seasons ago, we played Watford, so a bit more of a favourable um, opposition. You know, I mean, favourable in uh, you know a, a team that we could have a chance against um this time around next sunday it's chelsea obviously we won six nil yesterday so we were hoping that their 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 poor run of form was going to continue into the semi-final uh, but obviously they're still going to play real madrid in a week so um you know they've got that to play i think out of the three teams that we could have faced or the other two teams we could have faced i think chelsea are the ones that we could we could get something out of but having said that you know we beat city away two nil this season Liverpool, we haven't really had much luck against in, in, in recent seasons, so that's probably the one we didn't want to play. Um, but, you know, if you're going to win the FA Cup, you've you, you've got to beat these top sides. And, um, yeah, I mean, Palace sold out their, um, 
you know, their their end pretty quickly uh, last week, uh, and Chelsea sent tickets back uh, as it turned out. So, um, you know, it's going to be a great atmosphere. Palace will do what they always do at Wembley, and yeah, it's so difficult to predict. I, I'd like to think we've got a chance. I think the result for Chelsea yesterday did actually put a spanner in the works a little bit for us, thinking, or oh, you know, maybe you know, uh, beating Southampton away. You know, could that be? Could that be them lashing out after their Brentford loss last week? You know, maybe maybe we've dodged a bullet a little bit, but FA Cup is the FA Cup, isn't it? You know, so we are the last underdog in the competition, aren't we? Let's face it. So FA Cup loves an underdog. I'm hoping that the, the problem is we we're going to miss Gallagher. We're going to miss Conor Gallagher hugely. So Vieira's got a job on his hands to decide who's going to fill that role or how we're going to play tactically in that game against Chelsea. You know, we played a high press. Connor is a massive part of that. And, yeah, that that's the biggest dilemma that we have. If we had Connor playing, I'd, I'd be more confident, I think, um, because we would be able to play our natural game, as we have done all season, uh, with Gallagher in that role. Um, depending on who plays in that role, I wonder if Eze could do it. He won't, he won't do the high press the same as Gallagher, but actually, you know, his technique and skill on the ball could actually bring a different dimension to that role in the side. So, yeah, you're asking me for a prediction, or because <laughs> I'm really, I'm really, I'm, I'm really. You don't, not... you don't have to. You don't have to. Yeah, it's an FA Cup semi-final. You know, it doesn't come. It doesn't come to clubs like us very often. So you got to grab it both hands. I'm just hoping we don't. Um, yeah, yeah, we 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 don't embarrass ourselves, but I, I'm pretty sure we won't. I, you know, I think we're rise to the occasion, and whether you know we've we, we've not got Conor Gallagher, but actually, you know, the players will try and fill that void. And um, I, I, I can't predict. I can't predict. I, I'm. It's one of those games where you just think we just we just need to have a good game against Chelsea. We ran them close at Sellers a few weeks ago in the league. They scored in the 89th minute to beat us 1-0. So, you know, that gives us a bit of hope in that game that actually, you know, if they're not on fire in all cylinders, then we've got a chance. Um, but like I say, it's the FA Cup, so fingers crossed, yeah. Yeah, and finally, JB Burnley, you've got a trip to, to West Ham after they try and get through in the Europa League. Do you think that, that that gives you an advantage? Maybe this is one you can get a positive result in? Yeah, I think um, West Ham's recent results in the league have obviously slipped off a little bit because they've probably been more focused on that Europa League run, which is absolutely right. Um, David Moyes has done a fantastic job there, um, really sort of rehabilitated himself after everyone sort of wrote him off after Man United and Sunderland and Sausage had to an extent as well. So massive credit for what he's done there. I think he's assembled a very good team. Jay was absolutely right to highlight Jared Bowen earlier on, one of the stars of the season. Um, but if we were going to pick a time to to play them, it would be after one of these European games. So hopefully that will be in our favour. Um, away from normal season, we've been quite poor, though. I think Brighton's the only one that we've won on the road. Um, obviously, we're on the back of a terrible, terrible result at Norwich. So you would hope to see a reaction from that. Talked earlier about some of the changes I'd like to see in the team. I suspect Dash will probably just put the same team out broadly again. Maybe one or two changes rather than the, the five or six that would really shake things up. So um, games are running out for us. You wouldn't expect us to get something at, at West Ham away, really, but we we can't treat any match as a as a free hit now. We need to try and get something out of every match that we play. 
Yeah, cheers, guys. That is it for this week. Um, thank you so much for joining me. Uh, if you just want to let people know where they can reach you, that'll be a good time. Yeah, thanks for having me on. Pleasure as always. I've been Jamie Smith. I support Burnley, as you can tell by how depressed I sound at the moment. I write and edit the Known and Ever uh, newsletter that goes out on Substack every Monday. You can also follow me on Twitter at Jamie Smith Sport. Yeah, thanks, guys. It's always a pleasure being on uh, on the podcast. Uh, I'm Jay. I'm editor of the Eagles Beat. You can get us on all socials at the Eagles Beat on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. And I also host and produce a sport community sports radio show every Tuesday night uh, on Meridian FM. You can get us on socials at the Meridian SS. Yeah, and you can get the show at EPR Roundtable on Twitter. Uh, I've been your host, Jake Jackman. You get me on Twitter at Jake Jackman. But yeah, with that, we're out of time. Uh, thanks so much for joining us, and we hope you listen again next time. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.